Kratzy, you want to do the intro here? Yeah, absolutely. All right, he's ready. Matt Arnold is going to be joining us, the Milwaukee Brewers head of baseball operations. Oh, what a head that is, too. Look at that thing. Just monolithic. <laughs> it's not good. <laughs> appreciate you joining us, Matt. Thank you, man. I appreciate it. It's great to see you. Yeah, good to see you, too. The last time we saw each other, before I got fired from the Brewers, I'm sure that wasn't you. I'm sure that was Sternsey. You guys had to go get... You guys had to go get Yasmani Grandal. That didn't work out well for you, but anyway, we uh, <laughs> not bitter about it. But. No, 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 no. Just remember, I take I take tickets. I keep receipts. The uh, no, we had we had a nice, nice, enjoyable uh, dinner. A couple different dinners and playoffs came up short against the Dodgers, but you got to go home. Well, Cali home, and now you are the. Now you're the head honcho. You're the you're the big cheese of this Milwaukee Brewers playoff team, juggernaut. Well, also, can I piggyback off that? Because are you talking about the NLCS series, yeah. Kratzy? Okay, so here's my thing, Matt. And, and hey, great to have you on. We appreciate it. You are the first, and we'll have them all over the next few months. First current GM to join us on FT Live, a couple players per day. And it's been awesome to have many of your Brewers, and we can see why the team is thriving from a, a clubhouse chemistry perspective too, of course, a lot of great personalities. So that series against the Dodgers 2018, last time you guys won a playoff series, this team has been a consistent winner. It's not a super high payroll team. What's the secret to consistent success in Milwaukee, but also how badly are is your front office burning to keep advancing in a playoff series with that rotation and run prevention that you have set up this year? Yeah, I appreciate it, guys. I mean, look, we're—I'm certainly thrilled to be a small part of this. I mean, we have a, we have a tremendous team of people here, and it starts with people. Honestly, I think that's that's the name of the game when it comes to success. And um, you know, our ownership has supported our our, our team, our, our front office, our coaching staff uh, in a great way. And so, you know, it, it started uh, you know all, many years ago. Um, you know, even before I got here, honestly. So we we just have a really good group, a great culture. Uh, and I'm thrilled to be a part of it, you know, and, and I think at this point, you know, like like you've talked about, we've made the playoffs here a number of years in a row. And I think we're looking to advance uh, even deeper, you know, obviously missing last year was a, a tough, a tough situation for us. And, and I think it just galvanized us a little bit more even to to want to get back there. And, and I know Kratzy was a big part of it for us uh, back in 2018. And, and he knows what it's like. And, and we have a great culture and we just want to build on that. Matt, what is it you, – you kind of cut your teeth with a bunch of different organizations, but you really made hay with Tampa. What is it about Tampa? Because there's a million guys from Tampa that are now GMs and presidents and everything, and you look at them, they're a small market team that's had success. So what the heck do they teach in Tampa, and what do you share with other people about Tampa? Yeah, I think it's probably similar to the stuff we have here. I mean, it's just – it starts with people, you know, and it really does. And, and the good group we had there, starting with Andrew Friedman and, and Matt Silverman, and then, you know, being in the same room with guys like Heim Bloom and Eric Neander and James Click. And, uh, you know, we had Sam Fold as a player and Rocco Baldelli in our front office and just a, a ton of really, really talented people. And I was just fortunate to to be a small part of that as well. And just to learn from those guys is, is something I treasure. And, and the moments that we had – and a lot of celebrations, you know, we, we had a lot of fun there and, and that's what it's about. You know, you love the game. Uh, we love to, to win and, and have fun and, and challenge each other, I think in productive ways. And we've tried to do the same thing here in Milwaukee. You guys have, and that's what I try to tell people all the time. It's that communication. It's the like human aspect of it. Take us back to either that time when you were with the Rays or all the way back to your first 
internship, whatever your job was with the Dodgers while you were still in school, is this is this the job that you wanted? Like, were you like, man, I want to be head of baseball operations? Or did you say, oh, yeah, I just want to be a GM? Or, oh, I want to – you fill in the blank. No, honestly, not even close. I mean, honestly, I, I just I just love the game, and, and I, I just wanted to be a part of it, you know, and, and worked, worked my tail off, I think, like a lot of other guys, and, and just wanted to learn as much as I could and, and help contribute to a winning team. And, and, you know, good things happen, I think, when – when uh, when you put your nose to the grindstone and work hard and, and you care about other people, you know, and, and I think that's that's really what's what's exciting for me about this group. You know, we, we continued, I think, that momentum here, uh, you know, from from Doug Melvin to David Stearns to myself. It's, it's just having the right people around. And uh, I'm just thrilled to be a part of this and, and be a part of a great winning culture. So let's get to the trade deadline first off. And chafing for the bullpen, Carlos Santana and Mark Cana, who I'm sure you've heard many times about both of them. Those are pro ABs. You're seeing that. Cana's been better with the Brewers than he has with the Mets. Obviously, Santana for years has been a guy that is so difficult to get to extend his strike zone. How have those pickups looked for you, both in terms of what they're doing individually, but do you feel like from those hitters, there is a contagious component to watching those ABs for the young guys that you have? Yeah, I think that's exactly right. I think it's it starts with those guys, and and the I think that the way that they lengthen out our lineup, I think, is something that we were hoping to accomplish at the trade deadline. And and you know those guys are experienced as well. I think adding some you know a handful of veteran guys here that that had experience in playoff uh, environments, I think, is something that's incredibly important for us. Uh, you know, to complement our young group, we do have a really young group here still. Uh, but also with a young group with experience, you know, and so I think just adding those types of guys lengthen our lineup. And, and also, you know, they're, they're both good defenders as well. And that's kind of the brand that we have here. We, we play, you know, it's more pitching and defense than anything else. And those guys add, add value with their bats, but, but they're also good defenders as well. Wait, you forgot to mention, Scott forgot to mention somebody. There's a, there's a story out there that you guys had Pete Alonzo on the hook. Oh yeah. But then something happened. So can you, can you clarify this for us? Cause there's a, I think Ken Rosenthal wrote about it, something about the Brewers were close to obtaining Pete Alonso. Or, or you could say it this way. They were looking into were a lot of power for their lineup because oh, you can't okay. say the play. You okay, know. sorry. I mean, you can. He can. <laughs> yes. Yeah, look, as far as obviously, you know, individual conversations, we had a ton of conversations. And, and you know, I think anytime you somebody like Pete Alonso comes up, it's certainly somebody that would, would get our attention. Uh, but, you know, I, I would say we had a lot of different conversations at different levels. I, I can't speak to any specifically, but um, he's certainly a talented player, you know, and he'd fit on, on just about any good team. Sp- spoken like a true Eric Kratz disciple right there. <laughs> yeah, right. I would have just blurbed it. I would just bleh. They would have fined me, fired me, whatever it was. I would have just set it out. Speaking of just saying how it is, what did you learn from the emotions of the players last year as you watched Josh Hader get traded away? Essentially, at this point in the season, it was a little bit earlier. What did you learn from that? And also, because we have Bernsey on here all the time, and he talked about how important it was that you had that conversation with him this year at the lunch table post game. You just popped a squat and you know started chatting with these guys. Like, what did you learn from the Hader thing? And how did it translate into the whole Burns conversation you had this year? Yeah, look, I, I think what the the 
the challenging part about our situation is that we're going to have to make unpopular decisions here, you know, and, and that's that's something we have to be comfortable with. Uh, we made an uncomfortable decision there to trade Josh Hader. Um, we thought it was the right thing to do. But I also, to your point, I think we learned a lot. You know, I think how we could have communicated that better with our fans, how we could have communicated that better with our, our players. Uh, we were trying to do the right thing and we're trying to win a championship here, though. And we're trying to do this, you know, and keep it sustainable. And so we do have to make those tough decisions. But at the same time, you know, that's why I want to try to connect with the players to the extent that I, I want to treat them like men. I, I want to let them know that, that we're here and that we're a resource for them. And, and so if they have questions to please come ask, uh, I want to make sure that we're available, you know, because I'm not sure that every front office necessarily does that. Um, and having those kind of relationships, whether it's Corbin, uh, Josh, or, you know, any of our young guys, you know, I want them to feel like we can have those types of conversations uh, going forward. And I think it's a really healthy thing so that we're honest with each other about where we are. Uh, at any point. Well, have you sat down with any of your potential guys? I mean, I have a Corbin Burns card right here. It sits here every day. Isn't it? It's my favorite player because he makes fun of Rowdy every time <laughs> he comes on. But, I mean, extensions for, for Burns, extensions for Woodruff. Have, why have you not released Rowdy yet? Because everyone hates him. <laughs> and uh, did you see his finger? But, I mean, you know, these are legitimate questions. Like, why have you not – have you explored extensions? And are you going to with these guys? Because they're great pieces to have. Yeah, look, I mean, those, you're right. I mean, those guys are certainly talented, um, you know, can't get into specifics as far as, you know, certain contract negotiations at this point. But, you know, I've I've seen Rowdy's finger. I can tell you that it was pretty gross. Um, you know, I can confirm that that was certainly pretty disgusting. Um, but, you know, as far as the, the other players go, we they they know and we know, you know, they're they're some some of the best players in, in the world. You know, I mean, we're talking about our, our number one and two starters here and and you know Willie Adamas is is among the best shortstops in baseball you know and so uh, these guys mean so much to our our team and our franchise and and certainly we'd love to have them here a very long time so I know you can't take us through say the individual conversations with player agency etc on the extension front can you take us behind the curtain on how those deals do get done though for example Freddie Peralta and that's worked out really well obviously Freddie's always freaking smiling he's been great for you guys and how that comes about. Is it a conversation that starts with ownership and you go through a player and comps and everything else? Like, what can you tell us in terms of how you get to that actual deal period? Yeah, it, it probably comes about in a, in a ton of different ways. We're just having the communication, whether it's with the player, with the agent, uh, with our ownership, trying to find common ground, I think is the important thing on those. And, you know, obviously we want this to be a great place to play, you know, and, and, um, you know, we've worked hard to establish that as a great place to play. And, and you know, I'll let Eric speak to it, whether it is or isn't. Uh, but we're trying hard to make sure that it is and, and that players want to play here for a long time. And so the, the, the deals come about, about uh, more organically probably than anything else. It is a great place to play. It's also a great place to manage. You have another you have another free agent who, in not just my opinion, someone else's opinion, might be one of the biggest free agents outside of Otani if something doesn't get done. How are how is the organization handling this in the sense of let's let's just give you a hypothetical. If he leaves because he wants to go and watch the boys play baseball in college, is Pat Murphy going to be your manager? Because if you if it is, <laughs> he is way he's gonna be the ugliest manager you have. In the it's like number thirty automatically ugliest. No, how how do you guys how do you guys handle something like this? Because I think a guy like 
counts is one in – I mean, he's he's one of 30. He's one of 30 managers that puts together a team – that has a team be super successful that everybody outside of the Brewers organization thinks eh, it's going to be a 500 team. And every year they're back in playoff contention or in the playoffs. Yeah, Eric, I think you're exactly right. And and I'd, I'd go a step further on, to your point. It's really not just one of 30. I, I think Craig is one of one. You know, I mean, he's he's so beloved here, I think, in our city, in our community. And, and you know, his dad worked for this franchise. He played here uh, for a very long time. He worked in the front office here. He's, you know, he's been a, a great manager here uh, and the best teammate I could ever hope for, honestly. And I, and I, I love him to death. And so to your point, it's just whether whether he wants to be here and and you know ex- expand on the great work that he's done, or if he wants to go watch the boys play baseball and you know be be around the girls as they're growing up too, like he's earned that right, and I, I love him to death, and so I'm going to support him first and foremost uh, ahead of the Brewers and everything else, just because I care about him a ton. So obviously, I'd love to work with him for a very long time. How, how do you since you have the GM talk down perfectly, president of baseball operations talk down to like a T? How do you keep from getting attached to these guys? Because I would think as a human being, aside from your job, you get, you're with counts every day. You're with these guys, you know, a lot of the time. How do you keep from getting attached and letting personal attachments get in the way of what you need to do for the franchise? Yeah, I, I think you're right, AJ. I mean, we we certainly get attached. I mean, that's just reality. That's that we're humans. You know, we're not robots. And I care about all these guys. I mean, and it goes back not just you know when you when you sign a player. It's it's knowing these guys when they're internationally. You know, at, at a very very young age, or or getting being in the room when you're drafting a player. You know, and seeing them come up through all minor leagues and and how they've grown. You know, it's something honestly you feel proud about it. You know, it's just something you you want to see everyone succeed. And and I'm a big fan, just like everybody else. And I I pull for these guys like crazy. You know, I, I want them to have success here. So, um, you know, it, it, we, I, you know, I definitely uh, care about the relationships that we have with our our players, and and that I hope that you know they know that we're we're pulling for them as as hard as anybody. One more for you on counts is yeah, depending on what he wants to do for his personal life and fam life. That's one thing. Can you assure Brewers fans that if he wants to manage, it will be in Milwaukee? Yeah, I mean that—that's certainly our hope here. I mean, I—I I haven't even you know crossed the bridge about what it looks like without him because I, I love him here to death, and I, I hope he's here a really long time. So, um, you know, selfishly, I, I hope that you know we can we can turn the page at some point when when it's the appropriate time. But right now, you know, we're focused on winning a championship, and he's the right leader for this team. Matt, when you go, when you we talked about attachment to players, I, I went. You have to go to arbitration with players, and it sucks. I went through arbitration, and I sat there, and the GM of the Giants at the time was across the room, across the table from me, you know, four feet away, and you're sitting there, and you're looking them straight in the eye. That has got to be the hardest part, right? For for me as a player, it was like I had just gotten traded to the Giants, so I was like, I don't know these guys. It doesn't. It's not as big of a deal. But if I had come up through the organization. Came up with the twins, and I had Terry Ryan. I would have Terry Ryan sitting across the table from me, who drafted me at seventeen, and made, let me get to the big leagues. And then it's like, oh yeah, by the way, you stink at this, you stink at this. And I'm like, well, I'm good at this, and I'm good at this, <laughs> right? So that has to be a, a impossible situation because then you leave the room, and you're like, okay, I love you again. And the player's like, well, you didn't love me thirty seconds ago. So how do you how do you balance that? Yeah, I, I hate it. I mean, I, I think honestly, it's t- it's a terrible process, but it is the process, you know. And so, 
I think both sides have to acknowledge that it's just, it's just not fun, you know? And so, but it is what uh, players and owners have agreed to, you know? So we have to play within those, those rules and parameters. And so I, I hope that we can establish enough trust where, that is just part of the business. But once that that day passes and, you know, the, the decision is made that we're good to go, you know, and, it, and it's not that easy because to your point, like we're humans and, you know, everybody, there's motion baked into that. Like you said, you, you thought you were really good and the, the team didn't think you were as good at that. And some of that is show, honestly, for, you know, for that process and what that means uh, that's that's required, I think, by both sides, you know. And so at the end of the day, hopefully we can have a, a productive dis- discussion after um, you know, give each other a big hug and just turn the page and keep moving forward. I, and I know it's not as easy as, as it is said. It's, it, it really is a challenging part of the part of the industry for sure. Should we change it? Because your former, your former, I'm reading what your former job title was, player acquisition, contract negotiations, and player evaluations when you were with the Rays. Should we change it? And what would that process look like if we, if we could change it to make it more, not friendly, but, I mean, that's what we're talking about because you've talked about, and I think this is what the Brewers do really well and the Rays did really well, the human side of things. Yeah, I mean, look, an easy way probably, and again, I'm, I'm not smart enough to, to have the answer here, but I, I think there probably an easier way would have some kind of formula for it, you know, and just that, that the players agreed to and said, hey, we're good with whatever metrics this needs to be measured on. And then, you know, the, the, the owners decided, hey, these are, these are appropriate as well, and we just come up with it. It's it's very generic. And then we just turn the page, you know, and then it's it's more wired than that. I think there are a lot of reasons why that that doesn't currently exist. Uh, but I, but, you know, I think that would probably be the cleanest if if there was an easier way to do this. Matt, where are, are you in Pittsburgh right now? Or are you in Milwaukee? I'm in Milwaukee. OK, because we always have a thing when people just have blank white walls. Mine and blink twice <laughs> if you're OK, because it looks like you're in an opposite situation. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm not. In, I'm not in custody. I'm not in custody. Right now. Okay. 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 Whenever we have people on that have the white wall, we're like, man, it looks like they're, you know, please, please send it out. We like to make sure everyone's good. Yeah, we want to make sure everybody's healthy. AJ yeah. for the people. <laughs> I need to get some art. Maybe I get like a Kratz jersey or something back here. I need yeah. something. Ooh, Kratz book. You get a Kratz hat, it'll take up the whole wall. A Kratz. <laughs> a Kratz. That's what's covering the it's, building he's in. It's just right. a. It's just a big fat head, maybe Kratz. Just a big, that's the retractable roof. Question for you on the minor league side: This team has done a great job of building up the prospects um, and the talent that you have down in the system. More upside, more depth to it, and let's lead the way. The guy that. Most baseball fans know outside of Milwaukee, Jackson Churio. There's a Jackson race going on right now. There's there's a few. It's a big name. It's a very buzzy name in baseball. But I like to do the comp of Jackson Holiday and Jackson Churio. They are a few months apart. So Holiday just got promoted to AAA. Will you match the Orioles suit? <laughs> Yeah, you know, we, we've seen both Jacksons and we like them both. Um, our guy, our guy's great. I mean, I don't want to speak for the other one, but, uh, you know, Jackson Cheerio is is tremendous. And he's he's I mean, for a 19 year old kid and what he's doing in double A is, is so, so impressive. And, um, you know, just just he's put himself on the radar in, in every way. And, and he's such a talented kid. He's five tools, um, you know, does everything well. And, and he's he's good in the spotlight, too. You can just tell this kid really likes it. And uh, loves the game and, and, you know, we're excited about his future. So, so it, you're calling him up. 
into the minor league season. <laughs> well, I mean, well look, my question would be, yeah, bad. I was just going to say, I mean, he's going to say he's not on the roster. We don't want to lose the roster. Here, no, I don't right think on. he's going to say that. I'll I'll I don't the think place. they care about the roster spot to, to get Jackson Churro up if he's good to go, right? Yeah, he's on the radar. I mean, and, and in a good way. I mean, he's put himself on the map, I think, and and he's he's a super talented guy that has all of our attention. What do you think about teams calling up their players, you know, sooner than ever? There's not exact data to this, but you know what I'm talking about. I mean, there are guys that are 19, 20 years old, and some of them come up and they thrive from the jump. Others don't. And, you know, our mostly player-run show here likes to go through how some players can overcome some early adversity. And sometimes teams are like, eh, I'd rather make sure that he's really in a good spot before I bring him up because I don't want him to be sent back down. How do you balance that with someone like Jackson and just anybody that you're bringing up that's got high potential that you do you like, do you worry? Oh, if he struggles for a couple weeks, like, and we, we end up sending him down again, it could crush him. Yeah, it's a great question. I mean, I, I, we certainly don't have a formula for that, you know, and, and, and there's, it's, it goes probably player to player. I mean, the one thing I'd say is that, you know, we've, we've tried to be aggressive with young players, you know, when we had Mitchell here who unfortunately got hurt, but Joey Weimer, Sal Freelich, uh, Bryce Terang, you know, we've, we've pushed a lot of guys here that are young uh, to the big leagues, you know, very soon. And we think it is a good challenge for them. You know, at the same time, we've also had to option really good players going back to guys like Corbin Burns and Brandon Woodruff, Freddie Peralta, you know, and had that same conversation with Bryce Terang this year when he, when we optioned him. It's like, look, you know, you 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 came here and and look, there's more to work on, you know, and, and that you're not the first great player to be optioned, you know, and, and we've optioned other great players. And it is a the, the good ones, you know, respond. And, and honestly, the, that's that's the thing that, you know, they're probably going to be upset. And anybody that ha- happened to be optioned, you probably don't want them around, um, you know, and, and it's really a credit to those guys to bounce back, learn from it, grow, and then come out better on the other side. Have you ever asked Mark A for more money? Mark Antanasio, the owner, have you been like, I know this is our budget. Can I get just a little bit more? And I know you're kind of new at the whole the whole position, but just a little bit more. All the time, all the time. Yeah, of course. Yeah, no. But but look, he's any any responds. I think, and he helped us. I mean, I think we we don't get the guys we got at the trade deadline without his support. Um, we don't go above and beyond. Uh, you know, on on the draft without his support. You know, and and I think to have some sustainability, you have to have great ownership, and we certainly have that here in Milwaukee. Matt, I want to ask you about the catching machine that you have, and if Eric Kratz had anything to do with the fact that Clearly not. they they shit can Eric Kratz as soon as they could. So apparently he wasn't involved, and he didn't get all the secrets. That was a long time ago, though. But <laughs> you, you bring a guy over, and it, it, Matt, to me, it's getting it's getting like ridiculous because you guys have such an edge in that department, and we've spoken to other brewers about this, where it doesn't even take long. It the transformation happens so quickly say with someone like William Contreras who comes up last year, rookie, really young, learning the position. I'm sure you could see some of those signs of improvement back then, but immediately comes to your squad and he's like one of the best framers and receivers in the game. How does that happen? Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I think it's probably a combination of, of the player themselves and and then our coaches as well. I mean, I think, you know, Kratz, he was probably the OG uh receiver back there you know he's one of the best there was way back even before there were the the early metrics you know this guy showed up at the top of the charts and i'm not just saying that i mean you really did and and you know it starts with with recognizing i think the value of of what catchers bring on a day-to-day basis 
Um, and it's not just it's not just what they do as far as receiving catch and throw. It's also how you call a game, you know, and, and learning that side of the game. And it's it, it's really complicated. Um, and it's something that, it, again, it's just hard to measure that that type of person. And, um, you know, going back to Kratzy and, and everybody else here, those guys have just had those ingredients. And if they haven't, you know, we've tried to just instill those through coaching and uh, and good training to the extent that we can provide that uh, those avenues for those guys to improve. You made me blush. All right, so we're going to... He's making you money, Kratzy. Yeah, he made me money because he brought me up to the big leagues. Yeah, exactly. Just just to catch the ball. So I appreciate that. I know it was all Matt, so that's where we're going to leave it. It's not even a compliment. We all... all, This is such a random question. I wrote it down, but we have a GM on here now, and we always say this. Are GMs afraid of trading within the division? Absolutely not. I, I think maybe some are, but I think at least for me, I think I think it's a good opportunity. Like if if it if we're in the right situation, I think you know it, it, if it helps both sides, then great. You know, and we have good relationships within the division, and so we'd have no issues trading in the division at all. So why didn't you trade for Nolan Arenado? <laughs> Corbin Burns <laughs> told him not to. Oh, Corbin Burns <laughs> said no. Damn it! Yeah, <laughs> he's a great player. <laughs> He's a great player. All right, so let's finish with this on the personal side because we do like to do this too, of course, right? Lo- loose combos for you, Matt. And I know, I know what the position's like—not personally, but hearing from guys, right? It's twenty-five hour a day job. Um, what do you do if if you need to unwind, kick back? You know, you're watching, you know, another sport for a few hours. Do you have a certain hobby that you like to go to in, say, the off season if you don't have to be at the office all night? What's your, what's one thing that we might not know about you that you really enjoy? Man, I don't, I don't have a ton of hobbies. I'm pretty boring, honestly. Like I I just, I like baseball and I like, I like trying to find different ways to, to get better. And so I'm usually reading about it or, or doing something, you know, to, to help, you know, think about what the future of the team looks like or something. So, uh, you know, when I'm, I'm not around, honestly, if, if I'm not, completely plugged in. I'm usually spending time with my kids. Um, you know, if I can, that's, that's the the biggest thing in my life right now is just making sure that, that I'm around for them as much as I possibly can. So it's December 10th. You can't sleep. It's like 11 o'clock. Um, will you watch a certain show? Will you read a certain book? Like, have you read this book and did it teach you? you anything or did it make you lose all interest I'll, in baseball? I'll read it. The Tao of the Backup Catcher, Playing Baseball for the Love of the Game by Tim Brown with Eric Kratz. I've, I've heard about this. So I'm more of a, a podcast guy, so I can listen nice. to things and still be moving around. And so that that is on my list. I would love to get a, a copy of that. I don't know if you know anybody who could do that. but Yeah, we could. And also <laughs> there is yeah, the audio. Pay for it, trust me. <laughs> the audio will make is... you pay for it. <laughs> yeah, make you me pay for it because the Brewers fired me. <laughs> I could have stayed in the big leagues. Right. <laughs> but it's send part me, of the book. Send me your Venmo. Send me your Venmo, buddy. <laughs> I love it. Well, Matt, it was really a pleasure, a pleasure talking to you. Really good to get a little more info on the squad and yourself. And uh, thanks for making some history with us on FT Live. We'll bother the rest of your colleagues um, around the league coming up in the offseason especially. Appreciate you guys. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Awesome to have you, uh, Matt Arnold yeah, of great. the Milwaukee Brewers. Yeah. And get the personal side too. And also it's okay because guess what? I guarantee you at least half the answers you'll get from GMs, president of baseball ops, whatever, in the offseason, I'll be like, hey, what do you do? And they'll be like, baseball. I'll be like, what else? Kids. 
you know, hang with the kids. I'm like, what else? Nothing. <laughs> Literally. Congrats. Does it disappoint you that he has not read your book yet? He said he reads books all the time. No audio read. though. He needs to listen. Oh, need, is you there an audio version? Yes, there is. There's an audio version. It's like nine. It. It's like nine hours long. As Derek oh. told me, it was three Oppenheimers long. Oh, geez. So <laughs> it's long. You got You got to put it in, and you got. You don't do yard work, but it'd be a good thing to put in. I, I'm glad he came on. I wish. GMs and president, head of president, baseball operations could be more like they could be more open, but there's a lot of rules they have to follow. He is, he really is one of those guys that he embodies what he talks about, what they build the organization on is how to communicate with players. And that's like, that's the, that's the last percentage. Like there's a big difference between, or there's a small difference between talent level at the big leagues how you get the most out of your organization, how you get the most out of your teams. It's him. It's Council. It's Murph. It's Hooky. It's Walker McKinvin. Like, it's all the coaches and the guys that he's hired beneath him. And when one of them – I remember I met one of the coaches that was in the minor leagues. I won't say his name. He just wasn't very good at communicating with all the players. And I was like, this is unbelievable because he just stood out as somebody who didn't communicate well. He gone. And it, it, you know, in those organizations, it starts at the top of how you, how you treat people. 